This episode of the Travel Free and Podcast is sponsored by World Nomads Travel Insurance. If you'll be traveling in 2016, make sure that you are safe and covered and save some money as well with our exclusive 5% discount code. Yes, just use our link www.travelfreedompodcast.com slash worldnomads. And you enter the coupon code at the bottom. It is WN5DP. Uh, put that in with your policy details and you'll get your 5% discount. Just a reminder, though, all non-US citizens, you can't get the 5% off. Uh, it's it's your government. It's a government thing. It's, government it's really thing. annoying. But we do really appreciate you supporting the Travel Freedom Podcast anyway by using our link. It doesn't cost you any more for doing it. So uh, head over to World Nomads using our link. This is the Travel Freedom Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. And it's time to collect your ticket to world travel and a location-independent lifestyle. Every Monday, we talk travel and money. Ultimate travel hacking tips and destination advice recorded on location. We also interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income. So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the Travel Freedom Podcast. This is Money Mondays, episode 063. Today, it's our best of 2015. What have we been eating, seeing, doing, and generally having a fun time with in 2015? Well, hello, everybody. Hello. Can you believe it's the end of the year already? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's almost Christmas, and it's also time for our obligatory annual best of and worst of. And worst of. Not everything's been, uh, you know, rainbows and unicorns this year. There's no unicorns. That was sad. That did, did disappoint Every me. year I'm expecting unicorns and every year I'm disappointed. Oh my goodness. You'd think by my age I'd have got over it, but I haven't. It's very <laughs> sad. So yes, this year, 16 countries across two continents. Yeah, we've actually lost track of the amount of miles. Uh, I think, oh, I just can't be bothered to add it up because it's getting too complicated. No. Yeah, it's been a lot though. Yeah, totally. And during that time we've stayed experienced and thoroughly chowed down on a lot of amazing things. Yeah. But also some not some very good things. A few not so good things, but I have to say we haven't eaten as badly in 2015 as we probably did in the previous two years. No, it's been a very pleasant year all round, I have to say. Yes. So uh, anyway, as we said, best and worst, because full-time travel can be stressful. It is not inspiring 100% of the time. It really isn't. So occasionally we do end up doing things that we go, oh my God, why did we do that? Or <laughs> it was worth it, but it was horrible. Get me out of here. What will these things be? I don't know. We'll be revealing them as we go through the episode. But still, yeah, we've been on the road full time, 365 days for this year. We have not been home this year. We are going home 2016 for a little break. My mum is super happy. Yeah, a couple of months in Australia. But where have we been in 2015? 2015, countries visited. So Portugal, Spain. Morocco, Switzerland, Liechtenstein. Not really a country, but it is a sort of a country. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a principality, but they seem to like have a different flag and stuff. So I call that a country. Yeah. Uh, Austria, Germany, Czech Republic, Bratislava, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, UK, France. Very briefly, we went through there on the train and stopped off brief. in Lyon for Subway. It <laughs> was the cheapest thing to have for lunch. <laughs> I love Subway. But we should have had French bread when we were in France. Probably should have. Well, really, we had the opportunity. I'm not really sure why we did that. Well, we spent about three months in France the previous year almost, so two months, something like that. So we'd had lots and lots in 2014. And then, of course, when we came back to Asia, we've uh, been in Thailand and Hong Kong. Yes. 
Is Hong Kong China? Apparently it is, but I think it's Hong Kong. I think it's a world of its own. Hong Kong is Hong Kong. So yes, the content that we're going to be talking about today is completely referring to those 16 countries. Obviously, we have not been to the other countries in the world, the 180-something other countries plus other territories. No, so, but it has been our busiest year so far since we've been since we left Australia. It's been, and like we were talking about, like, oh no, slow travel. Start of the year. Slow it down. That was we're the commitment. Take our time. No. We just went hardcore, went into it. Oh, well, it was a great year. I had lots of fun. But um, shall well, we jump uh, jump straight into the uh, the best and worst of it all? Let's start with our favorite location, our favorite town or city. What would you say has been the best? Uh, this is one that we actually both really agree on. We loved, 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 loved. Loved, loved. Budapest. Yeah. And if you've been listening to our podcast, you might have heard us mention... How much we love Budapest. Yeah. In fact, I think we use the words, we are in love with Budapest. Rather than just loving it, we're actually in love. In we have love. an amorous relationship yeah. with being in Budapest. I just, every single bar and restaurant and everything you go to yeah. in the atmosphere in the 7th District is out of this world. If it wasn't for the fact that my Senjen visa was about to run out and we had to get out... Uh, we might still be in Budapest. Yeah, Except well, it's, it's winter right now. now. Yeah, <laughs> it's winter now. We wouldn't be back. We there would have now. stayed longer. We would have stayed there for like three or four months, probably. Because it's, it's incredible. Just if you've never been, it's a party town, epic fun, crazy cheap food. I think like less than four dollars for a two course lunch we got. Yeah, yeah, and it was tasty. And there's a few of those around. You can get a regular meal for like two or three bucks. It's yeah. pretty good if you don't go to the fancy tourist places and keep it local. It's pretty cheap. Beer at a bar was like a dollar, two dollars. Yeah, dollar, two dollars. Happy hour dollar, two dollars on non-happy hour. Yep. Pretty good. Or just go to the supermarket. Three liter beer is like two dollars or less. A bottle of wine under three dollars for a decent bottle of wine. Bada boom. It's crazy. And speaking of cheap food, I think two of the best dirty street food options that we had the whole time we were in Europe was probably the pizza slice place. Oh, they just made massive pizzas and then just, like, gave you a slice. It was well, they like, didn't give it to you. You had to buy it. But <laughs> I wish they'd just been handing it out for free. It that would have been amazing. So, that place was delicious. And then the... Um, it was like a thick pizza dough, so relatively doughy, yeah. but with lots and lots of cheese and various... They had, like, the eight different like toppings. Because the queue was always out the door, but the turnover was so fast, they were just shifting these pizza slices out, like, 20 seconds per customer, next slice out, next slice out. And yet, like, five hours straight, they just had a line out the door. And yeah, it was about 80 cents American to buy a slice of pizza that was a big slice of pizza. Like two slices of pizza would be a whole meal. It was that awesome. Yeah. So if you didn't find us there, you would have found us in the Giros shop. There was a little kebab place that the first time we went in, we thought maybe they had the work experience guy on. He gave us so much. Like it was like so much meat and toppings. And we were like, oh, it must be the work experience guy. He doesn't know how to do this and just give us like... Shit all, it's just of all chicken. It's like less than two euros for this giant euros. Like the bread it was just so stuffed. So it's like this tiny bit of bread, but absolutely loaded with chicken and various other bits of salad and stuff. Just couldn't believe how they're doing it for that price. But yeah, we went back there again. Same guy, same amount of food. We're like, alrighty, this is how they roll. I like it. Yeah. I think he was the owner. Yeah, he was there every time. We yeah. went, uh, like three times because like the best euros we had anywhere. Absolutely, but also in uh, Budapest, you will find the ruin bars that you know you just don't experience anything like that around the world. The seventh district is like sort of the Jewish quarter where they all have them. It's full of genuine old architecture that didn't get bombed in World War Two, which a lot of other parts of Budapest did. So yeah, it, it was sort of like these bars were left there. 
Um, they haven't well, the buildings, been fixed up. Buildings they are there. the buildings are left there, and the bars just appeared. They just moved in. They just moved into these ruined areas. So it's not that they were they weren't bombed. They'd just been left. You know, they've been left in to, to fall apart, and they they didn't fix them up. Instead of fixing them up, they just put the bar in as it was. They put a few structural fixes in and just left everything like rubble in the corner and whatever. Very cool. And just all upcycled stuff. So all whatever crap they could find from anywhere, they painted it up, they made it arty, and they threw it in. And it's just the most unique bar experiences. And there's so many of them. There's like 30 ruined bars in that district or something. Yeah. Simplicash is the famous one. And we talk about this in episode 43 of Trout Freedom Podcast. So troutfreedompodcast.com slash 043 if you want to learn a lot more and get some of our live content from when we're actually there. We're talking about what we're seeing and what we're doing. Um, yeah, Budapest, amazing. Loved it. Yes. Uh, moving on to the worst town. Worst city. city. People don't like it when we do worsts in a no, city. No, like with people food. Are. Even with food, I think we talked about in 2013 how we hated Mahinga in Burma, which is like a, a salty, fishy noodle soup that they eat for breakfast. Does that sound like tasty breakfast? I still actively avoid Mahinga. I just, I can't bring myself to eat it again. Apparently the one we must have had was terrible, so Burmese people have told us. We have been told a lot. They're like, you have to try it again. You have to come and try it again. again. Like, I'm not sure I can put that in my mouth. We'll try, maybe one day. If we go back to Burma, we might just have to have a cup of concrete and give it a go. Yeah, but when it comes to actually dishing out hate for a place, (laughs) that's gonna piss some people off, right? We have, okay, but the reason why, and let's say the, the place, we're going to say that we didn't like was Liechtenstein. Specifically, the only place in Liechtenstein we went was Vada's, the yeah. capital. Now, you know, it's really hard to name a worse town, but simply we're going to say Liechtenstein is because we only went there to get a passport on our stamp. A passport on our stamp? Ah! You want to get a passport on your stamp? That's interesting. Words. Stamp on your passport. A stamp on our passport to say that we'd been there. And the chick behind the counter at the tourism office was the most miserable bitch we'd ever encountered. Like, just hated her life. Charged us three euros to get the stamp. And then, like, stamped half of it over another stamp. Like, they couldn't even put it in a in its own little space. Yeah, it was so- just. Oh. For people who might be confused, you don't actually get a stamp when you go through the border because it's not really a border, it's in the Shenzhen zone, so you just head on through. Yeah. But because people are like, this is the smallest country, it's sort of a country, I, I'm not going to go into the politics, but uh, people want to go get a stamp, so they go to the tourist office and we're like, oh, that seems like a fun idea. I thought, oh, you know, it'd be like a euro or something, it's a stamp. It's three euros for a stamp. It yeah. took her three seconds and she fucked it up as well. Yeah. And I pissed with her. Pretty much everything was just a little overpriced, a little bit sterile. It just, it I just didn't, didn't feel, feel like there was any atmosphere there. There was a fantastic Marilyn Monroe exhibit on and that is its same Which grace. was only there for like a week. It was lucky so that it was the, it week, was we the week we were there. If that hadn't been there, we'd have had a boring, awful time. I would have been really bored. I find even the museum, we went around the history museum and I did not really understand anything, even though it was in English. It was in such a mess. Like it was in order. There was no order of timeline. You had no idea when stuff happened. It was just suddenly like this this king of Liechtenstein did this and this person made this agreement with another country. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell is going on and here? And I think we've said this before that the one thing that annoys us the most when we visit a museum or a place is if we leave there and know even less than when we started. <laughs> yeah. When we arrived. So we spent a good hour and a half in that museum and I've really got I no know. idea why Liechtenstein is Liechtenstein. Yeah. I really didn't get anything out of it. So, yeah, sorry if you're from Liechtenstein and you're listening and you're getting, like, really shitty with us right now. Tell us what's good about Liechtenstein and, you know. Yeah, leave us a comment. What is it that we missed in Liechtenstein? It was nice enough. It was just, meh. 
I did. Also, just just, just coming from Switzerland next door, oh, which yeah. is amazing scenery. It's like it's yeah. sort of less Switzerland. Same, same, but different. All right, yeah. let's get off the worst. Let's go positive again because there has been some amazing food. Oh my god! I mean, we spent nine months in Europe this year, so there has been lots of cheese and meat-related things that have been pretty good. Yep. So every year it gets harder and harder to choose. We keep adding more. I options. know we've had to break it into categories. Yeah, rather this than year just one. <laughs> we've broken it down to a starter category, a main category, and a dessert category, and we couldn't even choose one for each of those categories. Yeah, so we've got a lot of. Phenomenal. We're already 12, min 12 minutes into the episode, so all right, let's let's crack through the food. Absolutely. Seriously. So, uh, starter snacks. This one you will not have heard anything about from us because we went on a little holiday. We took like a five-day holiday off blogging and went to a location where we didn't really blog about it. We didn't work with any companies. We didn't stay with any accommodation. We just paid for accommodation. So, Veliko Tarnovo in Bulgaria was our little five-day holiday that we had back in August. And we had this three cheese pita bread that was freaking sensational. Yeah. So it's a homemade pita bread that had this special blend of mozzarella, yellow cheese, and the traditional Bulgarian white cheese, which is kind of like feta. It's quite salty. Yeah. It's a little more melty, though, because feta, yes. if you put that on like a pizza or something, it doesn't really melt, where this sort of melts in a bit, which is awesome because it just blended those three cheeses together so perfectly. Like the saltiness of the white cheese and the melty creaminess of the other two cheeses. Wow. We went back yes. three times in five days to have yeah. this again. Like the people were like, cheesy bread? We're like, yes. Yep. yep. This was our starter <laughs> three times in a row. Uh, yeah, that was good. And that was at Han Haji Nikolai which is not a company we're sponsored with. We went there no. every day and just paid for the food because Gorgeous even... a little traditional inn. Inside, it's like a traditional courtyard, mm. like this real grey stone courtyard, and you're surrounded on three and a half sides, and there's like a big gateway where I guess horse and cart would have come through yeah. in history time. People would have come through on there, and they've just put all these steel, like black steel chairs, like iron, I guess. They're like iron. black cast yeah. iron chairs around and very atmospheric all the, all the lights like little yellowy lights just casting that yellow sort of glow over these gray stones we liked it there. yeah it, it was right. probably the most expensive restaurant in Veliko Tarnovo which isn't saying a lot because Veliko Tarnovo is very cheap. cheap so yeah I guess that cheesy bread was about three euros and that was a great starter for two of us totally uh, moving on to our other starter, we had pan-fried octopus in Seville. Pulpo frito. Pulpo frito. So this was Tom's major, major favorite. I'm not a huge seafood fan, so I'm going to let him explain this. Yes, but you did actually like it. I did. I, I will admit that. This is why it's on the list, because I did enjoy it. Megs has never liked octopus before, ever, and I've made her eat it a few times. But quite often it's a little bit chewy, whereas this is actually really, really soft. And yet crispy on the outside. Somehow the way they fry it, I don't know if they deep fry it then pan fry it with the sauce. We didn't see how they did it. But yeah, the ends go really crispy, but the middle is still super succulent. And I've never used the word succulent to describe octopus before. I mean, I like octopus. It's tasty, but I'd never say succulent. But yeah, this is genuinely juicy octopus. And it was in like this tomato sort of base sauce with lots of olive oil. And obviously high quality olive oil in in Seville, in Spain, they wouldn't put shitty olive oil on food because they would then not have a customer base anymore. And this place was pretty busy. It was a Sunday afternoon. It was just full of locals. Yeah. And um, yeah, great octopus. And that is at Mercado Municipal de Triana, which is just on, I believe it's the south 
side of the river, not the side where all the cathedral and the old city is. It's on the other side. Yeah, it's the just over the bridge. the bridge. Yeah, and this place is like right down the back. But if you want to learn more about that restaurant, we did talk about it in episode 49, travelfreedompodcast.com slash 049. It was our episode on Seville. And there's loads of other stuff in that episode. Really cool. We ate lots of amazing food. Seville is probably one of my favorite foodie destinations of 2015. Yeah, we have to go back. But one of my other favorite foodie destinations of 2015 is... Hong Kong! Yes. Oh, we love honkers. We can just go back again and again and again. Yeah, the cuisine in Hong Kong is completely different from the cuisine in the rest of China. It is Cantonese-style cuisine. They do a lot of different dishes. Um, But our top dish, although we had a lot of amazing Cantonese cuisine in Hong Kong, is not actually Cantonese at all. No. We went to a French restaurant. We did. A French restaurant called Alchemy, which served up some of the best food. Like the whole, everything they gave us was fantastic, but we had one particular favorite, which was the calamari with baby tomatoes. And it was also served with this like chili aioli sort of dressing as well. Oh, it was good. This was amazing. So it's like fresh, soft, buttery calamari. And then this slightly acidic baby tomatoes, it all blended together. It was like this beautiful harmony of flavors that just rocked your world yeah and the edges of the calamari just slightly browned as it were so this is just that extra texture not as crispy crazy as the octopus but this dish really it's we've like got two dishes that are basically the same like tomato with seafood yeah um but they so different they tasted so different and one thing we learned this is something i didn't even realize calamari is not the word that is used to describe those shitty little rings that you get at the pub which are covered deep in fried battered yeah deep fried battered that is not what the word calamari means calamari is actually a different type of animal so like the shit you eat that they call calamari that's chewy and horrible that's squid rings Calamari is the really light, delicious, soft version of squid. It's actually a different creature. And yeah, it was great. So yeah, ignore that crap that you get in the pub. Because it's not calamari. Almost certainly not, unless it's genuinely soft, which you can get had it in Spain. Proper soft calamari rings are amazing. Yeah, if you are in Hong Kong, uh, we do highly recommend visiting the Alchemy Concept Restaurant. Upstairs is a bit more relaxed, tapas style, downstairs. Downstairs, they have a dining in the dark experience. Yeah, that's also very cool. So there will be more on that on the Travel Freedom Podcast in a few months when we release our next Hong Kong episode because we did lots of cool stuff in Hong Kong. No, we did. All right, we're up to our main... Main courses. Okay. We had... We were told when we hit Budapest that the main thing we had to yes, try we when we were there... Yes, we are back in Budapest. We're back in Budapest. But we were told the main thing we had to try was burgers. And we're like, are you kidding me? Like, we want, like, traditional Hungarian food. What are you talking about? Anyway... We took the advice and we went to this place called W35 and I think it's the best burger I've ever eaten. I'm like talking, I'm turning 32 next week, 32 years, best burger ever. And just for comparison, when we were in Hong Kong, we went to a Michelin star burger restaurant um, called Butcher's Block. Very cool, very tasty, still not the best. No, not as good as this one. It's the problem with Michelin star. Unless these people actually go and visit these places, it doesn't get in the book. Yeah, exactly. So it's like someone told them that this burger is really good in Hong Kong. And it was really good. It was, yeah. But if they'd gone and eaten the one in Budapest, they might be thinking a little differently about what they're putting in the book. Yeah. Still, you know, it's our personal opinion. We like food. Homemade. Michelin people are better at food than us. So Definitely. Who knows? But it was a homemade bun, perfectly juicy meat, meat patty, the cheese just melty, melty, melty. You had your choice of sauces, and they also had little medallions of fry, like of potato, deep fried in goose fat. Yeah, 
I wouldn't say the potato was the best part of the meal. The burger was very much, very it's much the, the best burger. part of the meal. I've had better fries, but it was still nice to have them on the side because goose fat is awesome. But um, yeah, W35 in Budapest, they've actually got two restaurants. We went to their takeaway restaurant where it's only got a few seats. We later discovered they have a restaurant around the corner that's a full-size restaurant we could have sat in okay. properly. Uh, I don't know which is better, if they're exactly the same, if the kitchen is somehow connected, but the little tiny one. The takeaway place was the one we went to and it was perfect. Yep. Now we're going to go back all the way to the very beginning of 2015 when we had this one. Mm -hmm. January. January. We uh, went on a tour with a, a foodie tour with Walk Eat Talk Eat and we had the salted beef Polish bagel. Yep, at Bagel Bake in Shoreditch, East London. So it is run, it's a Polish run company, or at least it was when it was opened, I think it still is. And they are making traditional bagels, Polish style. This is nothing like a bagel you eat in America, it's even spelled differently. Yeah. Tastes completely different. It actually, if you've ever had Yorkshire pudding in the UK, it's almost got that sort of battery taste in the bread. It's just so different, so yeah. out of this world. And then the mix with the roast beef and mustard. And then they also put some, like, gherkins in the inside yeah. to give it, like, that extra... I don't know. It just all... The blend was just great. And it's not just roast beef. It is, like, slow-cooked salted beef. And it's still red, but it's been cooked for quite a while. I don't know if they're, like, somehow smokes... I don't know what they're doing to it, but it's awesome. It's young. Yes. I actually put this up on our Instagram account the other day, and there's quite a few people going, Oh, yes, I've had that. Young. Like, yeah. people know it, people know it. And you will encounter a long line outside the door in order to have it. It's open 24 hours a day. Yeah, 24-hour bagels. And you will encounter some sort of line, but it's definitely worth it. So, yeah, as I said before, we did that on tour with Walk Eat Talk Eat, or you can look up Bagel Bake and you go can also and find it yourself. head back to Travel Freedom Podcast episode 15, and that was our episode on London where we were talking about our tour with Walk Eat Talk Eat and all our time in Shoreditch around Brick Lane, real famous area. Anyway... Another meal from the beginning of the year when we were in Portugal. The, the final of our main courses. It is. Rabbit and clams. Rabbit and clams. Say what? We tell people about this dish and they're like, what, what? are you talking about? Why rabbit with clams. Rabbit and clams. That's gross. Well, actually, in Portugal, we saw pork and clams on the menu a lot. In the south, they've got a lot of seafood and the clams are really abundant. Almost every Portuguese restaurant that we went to had some sort of clam option going on. And yeah, pork and clams in this sort of tomatoey sauce, but really salty how this guy did it with rabbit. That's the alternative. We didn't really see rabbit being served anywhere else. No. But this plate, we were in this restaurant, and it wasn't really a restaurant. It doesn't no. look like a restaurant. It we was were directed just... to the yellow place around the corner. Just, like, no sign. Just the place with the yellow. You'll see people sitting inside go in there. That's, yeah. that's the directions we were given. Yeah, and we did. We looked through the window, which basically looked like someone's front room window. Yeah. And we're like, oh, there is, like, six tables set up in there. And so we went in, uh, like six euros for this amazing rabbit and clams with a big portion of fries and salad. They love putting fries with everything in Portugal. They do. That's a big thing. A lot of dishes come with fries. All but uh, all right. the, the food in Portugal is fantastic. It's one of our favorite foodie destinations. Oh, I can't wait That's to go back to Portugal. Here. Yeah. As we said, Hong Kong, Budapest, and Portugal, probably our top three food destinations and our top three dishes for the year as well. We've got one final dish in our dessert category. Yes. We've got it down to one. Which Somehow. is weird. I wouldn't have thought, if you had asked me, like, earlier in the year, if I would have put mango sticky rice as my best dessert no in 2015, way. I would have laughed at you. I would have been like, eh, it's good, but it's not great. That's until we discovered the mango sticky rice at a restaurant called Galanga. Yes. In Koh Samui. 
Yeah, this is probably the most expensive mango sticky rice I've ever bought. It was like eight dollars. <laughs> it was expensive. Which to my western side sounds worth fine. It. it was so worth it. Yeah, it was a uh, it was our anniversary meal, it so was. we went and had an expensive meal. And uh, for eight bucks, I say completely worth every penny. The reason that this actually stood out because like all mango sticky rice is sort of good. It's always sort of tasty, tasty, but yeah. it's never like, oh my god, this is the best dessert in the world. And then this one, somehow they got that gooey, sticky rice to also be crunchy on the outside, and it was still nice and warm too. Yeah, like it, was it was really fresh. warm. Fresh. It just had that real freshness yeah. to it. I just, I don't understand how they got it crispy though, while staying gooey. I, did they fry it a little bit before they served it? And then the coconut-based, like the coconut milk-based sauce that's thrown over, perfect consistently uh, consistency. It wasn't oversweet. Sometimes they serve it a bit too sweet. Yeah. This was just balanced right. Loved it. Yes. All right. Now our final food item for today: the worst, worst food. Yeah. It's going to the lemon and chicken tagine in Marrakesh. Mm. Now we're not saying that you know it's the worst food. It wasn't. But horrible it, to eat. It was just so horribly disappointing. It's crushingly disappointing. Yes. We like how much hype have we had about getting Moroccan food over the years? Oh, I've been talking about going to Morocco for, for so many years. I love like tagine style flavors, all of the spices and the cumin and everything else that they put in these things. Um, and then we turned up, and it was just this sad, oily piece of overcooked chicken. With a couple of bits of crappy preserved lemon around the outside that was way too salty. It hadn't been balanced out at all. We just had just really nasty. high hopes and then we got to Marrakesh and just it were crushed. Almost everything we ate in Marrakesh apart from pizza and salad was awful. It like, really was just, not good food. I did hate almost everything. And we spent a good sort of eight days total in Marrakesh during yeah. our time in Morocco. Ugh. But the thing really is, bad. it turns out that if you want really good Moroccan cuisine, you have to eat with the mamas. Are they mamas in Morocco? Yeah, they're not mama. They got to, um, yeah, you've got to go in home. You've got to go like on a Friday where they cook up their couscous and tagines and everything. In-house cooking or doing a cooking class is the way to get the really good food. If you're eating around town, Moroccans don't go out to eat tagine. So they're just not no, making great They eat tagine food. at home because yeah. they all make tagine and it takes like two hours to make it or something. Whereas the ones that they make in the restaurant, either they made them all in a big batch at the start of the week and it's just reheated frozen crap, yep. or they just didn't put the time and effort into it, so it's just rubbish. So we're not saying Moroccan food is crap. We definitely had some fantastic Moroccan food while we were there. Just restaurant standard is pretty poor. Yeah. So more on Marrakesh, travelfreedompodcast.com slash 025, back to episode 25, when we were talking all about Marrakesh. Okay. Accommodation. Alrighty. So this is like... We've got two. We couldn't choose one because we have two from two completely different ends of the spectrum. These are like the most opposite types of accommodation. You would not see these, like you should not see these in the same article. And we've put them together <laughs> yeah. in the same article and podcast. Like what the hell is going on with this? So first of all, our favorite sort of awesome, crazy place, uh, Panvaman near Chiang Mai, which we actually went to just a couple of weeks ago, is a traditional Thai luxury resort out in the mountains here, north of Chiang Mai, and we had a jacuzzi bath on our balcony. And oh, that was amazing. really good. With a little bit of a view, but also sort of covered so that people can't see you in the bath. Just you have privacy. There's a bit of privacy. Yes. So you got the best of both worlds. Bit of a view, bit of privacy. But also, they've got this breathtaking multi-level infinity pool. It's like three levels of infinity pool that all look out over this crazy wooded valley. 
it's just yeah greenery for as far as the eye can see and wow really beautiful yeah and uh, their food was actually really good as well they have an organic farm on site so all of the the vegetables come straight from that organic farm which is really cool yeah. and tasty so uh pan viva is certainly the place to just escape reality and relax we came back so relaxed it was insane yeah. i want to go back so number two on our list we're in budapest again this is why we love budapest so Yay. much this place is the absolute polar opposite it's dirty well it's not it dirty, dirty they all. clean it but it's like you know it's a ruined bar hostel basically and it's called Retox Party Hostel. It is just, yeah. And it's like street art on the walls and, you know, it's a rough and ready place. So, no, not dirty. They do clean all the rooms, actually. They come in and clean every day. It's Our room clean. was very clean. But it's just, you know, it's a rough bit dilapidated. And, and uh, you know, it's a cheap place. It's also a really full-on bar downstairs that pretty much you can get a drink at 6 a.m. The drinking doesn't stop until everyone stops drinking. Like the bar just keeps going. It does. It's just, it's pretty much 24 hour drinking place. And, you know, there's really fantastic staff there to encourage you to get really drunk and also have a really good time. I think one of the best things about this place is they have no checkout time. Like, that was good. Because they encourage you to party till 6 a.m., they do not knock on your door at 10 a.m. going, um, you gotta get, get out of the room now. So we actually left at about 2 p.m. Some people leave a lot later than that. And their policy is like, if you've just arrived and your room is not yet available, you can like sleep in the common room on the sofa or something. Because it's more important for the person that they made party all night to leave <laughs> feeling happy rather than being forced out of bed hungover as hell. Yeah. So that's really cool. Loved Retox Party Hostel, such friendly staff. They were always on hand to encourage you to have a good time, often with shots. Yep. That was sort of one of the main things they did. But yeah, great. Can't recommend that place enough if you want to party. If you don't want to party, never, ever, ever go there because <laughs> yeah. you will hate it. They actually, when you arrive, they sort of, they look you, look at you in the eye and they're like, do you really want to stay here? They were, there's actually quite a few different hostels in the Budapest Party Hostel group. And they will say, maybe you should go stay at one of our other, like there's different levels of crazy. Yeah. They got some sleepy nights where they, they let you go to sleep at like midnight at some of them. Whereas this one, yeah, it's just noise, noise, noise all the time. But our room was actually right at the back at the top on the top floor. And we really didn't get woken up in the night. So we did all right. Yeah, private, room, private room in a hostel. That's what we like. Worst room. Just going to mention this quickly because really... There wasn't any really bad we, places we stayed this year. This was medium terrible. Uh, essentially, we got to Essaouira on the bus. It was late afternoon. We were relatively tired. Essaouira is in Morocco on the coast. We were staying there for a month. But the first two days that we were there, we had to find a place just last minute before we could go out and search proper long-term apartment. And this place we ended up in, it was dusty. The shower dribbled yellow water at you. Oh. Like, there was no water pressure. Like, uh, uh, it was just run down and not very nice. But that's what happens when you just meet an old lady at the bus stop and go back to her house. Exactly. It was a room in the top of her house that she uh, was charging was 13 bucks for us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what can you do? Journeys. That's our next category. Yes, you don't get through 16 countries in a year without taking some pretty epic and sometimes uncomfortable journeys. There was a few uncomfortable journeys, but I have to say the best and most epic journey was our DIY Glacier Express through Switzerland. Absolutely. That was just stunning. So the train winds through the mountains of Switzerland and we did it in May. So there was like rapidly receding ice and snow sitting on the mountaintops. 
um, a lot like down below you the green is coming out like it was so green and luscious as well there is not a country in the world that I've ever seen that is as green as Switzerland and it's I, just I lived beautiful. in England I grew up in England England is renowned for its greenness but really whatever meltwaters they get off those mountains every spring makes the grass so incredibly green like I don't even have to enhance the saturation on the photos if I enhance the saturation on my photos it makes it look like it's a fake photo because it's already that green, it's crazy. And, and then there's all these yellow flowers just bursting free from various patches of this green grass. And the yeah. beauty of spring. Yeah, it is, but nowhere has spring quite like Switzerland has I think if, any, if you've been to Switzerland, you know how stunning Switzerland is. And if you yeah. haven't been to Switzerland, go to Switzerland. It's expensive as crazy, crazy expensive. But we Airbnb'd our way through, so it was uh, just about affordable. And uh, the train route that we took, it was actually like a full day. We had like a full 12 hours on the train. And it goes up this UNESCO protected rail route where it goes over sort of all these viaducts and through all these mountain tunnels. And then you just like, you come out of a tunnel and there's just an expanse of green landscape with more snowy mountains in the distance. It, yeah, it's a sort of paradise place. Yeah. Crazy. So you have two options to do this route. So it's either the Glacier Express, which is outrageously priced. Well, it's Switzerland is expensive. It's like 200 and something euros for the day, yeah. which is a lot for just sitting on a train. We decided to DIY it and we were equipped with our URL and interrail passes, which helped us, you know, make our way around it you know, on the less expensive trains. Well, I mean, the, it was mainly trains. free. Most of the route was free. Uh, we found out that one part of the route, which we hadn't read the small print, wasn't free. So we ended up paying about 80 bucks to cover that part of the route. So it still worked a lot, a lot cheaper than doing 400 euros for two people, 400 plus euros. But the best thing was on the local trains, you can just open the window and stick your head out and take photos. Yeah. Whereas on the panoramic train, the really expensive one, it's all fixed windows that are like tinted to yeah. keep the sun out. It does have a glass roof so you can look up yeah. and see out, but you're still going to get that glass, glass shine when you try and take pictures yeah so if you're just going to look and see the view like maybe that's better but if you want to take photos having those open windows is amazing and you know getting that fresh switzerland air oh, blasting yeah. in your face is not a bad thing at all it was good worst journey though worst journey <sighs> two days on the back of fucking camels oh, in morocco grumpy farting lumbering beasts yeah, they suck. We talked about how much they sucked back in episode 57 about the Sahara. Well, the problem is that the, the seats that they have don't come with stirrups, so you're just kind of dangling. Your legs are dangling there. And two days of riding through the Sahara, it just takes your toll on your ass. Yeah, you, perching on top of these animals is really, really, really uncomfortable, and they're bumpy. Like I say, the way that they it's lumber, the way their ride. legs move is like, ba-dum, 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 all the time for hours. Yeah, it's horrible. We did get our revenge on these camels by eating one of their cousins as a camel burger when we got back to Marrakesh. <laughs> yeah. um, didn't really make up for the pain because it they wasn't... They don't taste good. They don't even taste good. There is nothing beneficial about these creatures That could probably go into the worst as well. Like that camel burger was not good. It wasn't like awful, but it was not worth buying. No. We should have bought something else. As we said, almost all the food in Marrakesh was terrible. Yes. Restaurant food, terrible. But even though, yeah, two days out on the camels was painful and irritating. Uh, the Sahara comes with other benefits, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that That's later. That's coming up. Yeah. Okay. Now, best drink, beverage, alcoholic or non-alcoholic. Well, it's normally going to be alcoholic, isn't it? It's going to be alcoholic, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, we spent a lot of time in Europe, which meant we got a lot of time drinking wine. There were some really, really good wines. In fact, we got a list of our, short list of our two favorite wines. There's actually a third wine I just thought of from Seville 
that was really, really good. Oh, but that was, too. that was amazing. 14 euros in a restaurant. Beautiful, beautiful wine. But we like velvety or fruity with like maybe some chocolate tones is good sometimes or a bit peppery. Like Those sorts of flavors. We like quite powerful red wines. We don't like really mellow, soft, boring wines. And we're coming back to the same restaurant we mentioned earlier with the cheesy bread, Han Haji Nicoli and Nicolai, back in Veliko Tarnovo, Bulgaria. Like drinking their homemade Cab Sav, yes, they actually make their own wine on site. And a lot of people in Europe do make their own wine, a lot of small producers, mm -hmm. like and home producers. So that's quite normal, but they made fantastic wine. Four euros a glass, really, really delicious, fruity, soft. Oh, I wish I had the words to describe wine. You really just have to go to Bulgaria and you have to go to this restaurant because it's like, yeah, this is probably my favorite restaurant for the whole year. But yeah, that place was great. Um, our second wine that we really enjoyed was the Maria Teresa Coronation wine, which comes from Bratislava. Um, quite another large wine region that you may not have ever heard of. So this was given to us by Bratislava Tourism. It was a little promo bottle, but amazing. And this was apparently like there's the like the story that it during her coronation this actually flowed in the the fountains of Bratislava, like red wine flowed. Because her coronation was so important because Maria Theresa was the queen or empress of the Austro-Hungarian Empire at the time, or the pre-Austro-Hungarian Empire. And history is confusing, but we did talk more about that in our Bratislava podcast episode. So just jump on Travel Freedom Podcast, type Bratislava into there. You can find out. Can't remember which episode number that was, but yeah, that wine was really good. And Bratislava is, of course, the capital of Slovakia, and so a lot of that area around Bratislava is where they make the wine and grow the grapes. And we went out there and tried some wines, but I think yeah, the Coronation wine was the best one. They make a good rosé as well. The rosé yeah, was very the nice. the rosé we had was good. They, they make a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, we're going to give an honorary mention also to the 10-year aged port that we had at Casa de Avo, uh, which is near Abifera. Yeah, we were house-sitting down there. If you remember, we mentioned it in quite a few episodes because we were there for well over a month. We haven't actually done an episode on Portugal, though. We need to because we, we probably the food, will at some point. the wine, the port, yeah. the port. But this 10-year aged port, I mean, like, if you drink port, and we like to drink port when we can, it's hard to get in a lot of countries. It well goes with cheese. But, yes, it does go well with cheese. You Chili want, chocolate. Like, uh, my perfect port definitely has real rich flavor where you can only just taste the strength of the alcohol. So it's very, very rich, sweet, not like so sweet that it's horrible, but just, you know, just that right amount of sweetness balancing out with a strong alcohol flavor. It just leaves a real warm flavor in your mouth. Mm. Yeah, and this was like that. If Like, the older it gets and the better quality you get, you do get more complex flavors. So there is more stuff running around in your mouth as you... Yeah, you've got to just leave it in there for a few seconds and go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the Casa de Ovo was also the place that we went and had the organic lunch buffet, uh, which was like 10 euro for that. So local Came with a glass of wine. Did come with a glass of wine. And unlimited food. Local seafood. and Like, this is like the... the I've never seen a buffet, an all-you-can-eat buffet with so much seafood. Yeah, real premium stuff. And lots of the little anchovies they do there, they do the ones that rather than being that weird pickled thing you get in a jar, they're just really lightly pickled. And they're completely different. And they're amazing. And they've got those in Portugal everywhere. The worst drink. Oh, worst drink. Berber whiskey. Sounds good, doesn't it? Bit of whiskey. Um, well, if you've been to Morocco, then you'll probably already know how much Berber whiskey actually sucks. Actually, um, it doesn't exactly suck. It is tasty. It if, is very nice. If it's done right and they don't put too much sugar in it. That's not why it sucks. It actually sucks because it's not whiskey. 
They fooled us! It's a joke! They joke like, ha ha ha, we don't drink alcohol here, so we'll call it whiskey and the Europeans will find it really funny. And then they serve you a tea and you're like, this is you. This is tea. This is mint tea. There's no whiskey in this. They this find is it terrible. hilarious. And I'm like, where's the whiskey? Yeah, that is seriously misleading marketing. So I wasn't happy about it at all. But it was it was nice sometimes. I really but. enjoy Moroccan tea, actually. It's I, it's probably one thing I do miss Because it's from mostly Morocco. sugar. It's a lot of sugar. It's just a big glass of it's hot sugar. It's mint and sugar. And if they haven't put enough sugar in, you're like, oh, I thought that Moroccan tea was really good. And you're like, oh, wait, this needs like... A lot more sugar. Like a whole kilo of sugar in they, it. Like when you get the tea, sometimes they put sugar in in advance. Sometimes they bring you the box of sugar. Their sugar cubes are not like sugar cubes you've ever seen. <laughs> They're like four times the size of a regular sugar cube. The biggest sugar cube I've ever seen in my yeah. life. And this tiny glass of tea that's basically, I don't know, it's like 120 ml of tea or something. They will put like three of these giant sugar cubes in there to the point of saturation where it won't dissolve anymore. I mean, like, but what it's the tasty. hell? It's tasty. It's tasty. It's a glass of sugar. Of course, it's tasty. It's ridiculous. It's like Indian chai as well. It's just pure oh, the sugar. Indian chai, they put a lot of spices in there that are really interesting. And a lot of sugar. Yeah, a lot of sugar. All right, let's move on to attractions. Yes. Yeah, so when we wrote up our shortlist for Best of 2015, we actually did this separately, and then we sort of combined the results to decide which ones to put in the article. Um, and given how many attractions we actually saw, because we did do 16 countries, we did see quite a lot of places, um, we actually both just wrote down one. There was no like, let's do a decision, which of these five do we think is number one? We both wrote down one and just went, this is the one. This is it. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is a real surprise one because we'd never heard of this place before until we got to Romania. It's uh, called Palace Castle. Now, there's a castle called Brand Castle, which is the one everyone's heard of. That's the Dracula's Castle. And uh, it's not really a castle. It, Brand's Castle is actually sort of... Um, it's a fortress that they converted into a castle like 100 years ago, but it's yeah. not really a castle. So they've sort of made it look a bit like a castle, but it's not. Whereas Palace Castle was built in the 19th century and really is a castle. Uh, it was fully designed to be a castle. Uh, the guy who had it built was German. He'd become the king of Romania because Romania has very close ties with Germany. A lot of the migration there, there's still lots of German architecture, there's lots of German towns even that are based all around German living. Um, but this place was full-on fairy tale castle with the big turrets, uh, like the big pointy turrets that you'd see on Disney. Yep. But even though we went to the Disney castle in Germany, which we was good, stunning. really, really I, good. Norschwinstein. Norschwinstein, maybe. maybe. Have we, we learned to say that yet? No. We still don't know how to say that. No. I still think Palace Castle is actually better. Yes. I'm going to agree. The interior just it goes beyond all notions of decadence yeah it's just incredible and each room had its own style like it's you know it's of course very palatial it's a palace it is a palace it's what they do but they had like the arabic room which felt like you were walking back to morocco in the 18th century it had it's like their hooker the hooker room yeah it's like they had all the hooker pipes in there they had, had a cinema they had a world-class cinema at the time when it was made yeah it yeah. was basically world-class technology this they was also the castle that was the first in europe to have electric elevators um, they also had a vacuuming system. <laughs> this was at the beginning of the 20th century. It's yeah. like 1905 they put in this lift or something. It's around then. Don't quote me on the date. It was really modern. Like, just it, all the modern things you can imagine are in Whilst this... being incredibly decadent yeah. in every way. And also having all of the old stuff. So they had, like, the old weapons and they had the old suits, suits of, of armor. armor. It was, I mean, because it was built in the 19th century, this stuff was more of a collection that had been turned into, like, a palace museum almost... But it's, I don't think, like, they, they haven't done this 
now. They haven't come forward now and gone, let's make it more like a tourist attraction. This no, no, was how they built it. They yeah. built it with this stuff. And also the thing that's really important to mention with this is he also built it out of his own pocket. He didn't take any money from his newly, you know, new citizens from the Roman Romanians. He, uh, he actually did it all out of his own pocket to create this amazing castle. Yeah. So the worst attraction. Oh, no. <laughs> this was also something we were quite unanimous on. Yes, very much so. Uh, it's actually in Innsbruck, and Innsbruck was a place we really enjoyed staying. Great in craft fact, beer, great food, the yeah. scenery is just stunning, like those mountains. People are really friendly, you know, it's a student town, so lots and lots of places to go out. Really, we loved Innsbruck, but then we went outside of Innsbruck to Swarovski Crystal World, which we really <laughs> this, shouldn't have this done. This was my bad. My bad. Meg I saw a picture. I wanted to go see this big head waterfall thing, and we'll put the picture in the show notes. You'll see it. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. And I weird. wanted to go see it, but going out there was horrible. Nothing else about this place, apart from the head, was of any interest at no. all. I mean, basically, it was just busloads of Indian tourists who were gladly paying 19 euros per person to be shown around what is basically a showroom. For Swarovski to sell more bling. Bling, bling. And, like, I know people like shiny things, and I'm sure I'm one of those weird people who doesn't give a crap about shiny things, so I'm the freak here. I like shiny things. All right, you like shiny things. But yet you didn't like this place, and you've only been the worst possible place. It was too busy. There was just too many people. I was like, get me out of here. Get me out. It was just tacky. And it was tacky. Like, all of the... They'd made all these glass statues, which, like, you could say, wow, that's impressive you've done this. But then also it's like, oh, but it's so grotesque. Yeah, they, nothing... it, was, it was all about this sort of um, surreal dream. It was all based around a surreal kind of dream. And so it was quirky, shall we say. I just, I did not get it. Yeah, it's a bit weird. And then you walk out of the actual museum bit where you've seen these little statues and basically to get out of the gift shop, it's the biggest gift shop I've ever seen. It's just thousands of crystal products everywhere. And, like, yeah, lots of Indian tourists pushing each other to get the piece of bling that they wanted before the person next to them got the piece of bling they wanted. Ugh, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. It was a bit tacky. But go to Innsbruck and just don't go there. Yeah. Oh, plenty Innsbruck's of other things awesome. to do. The museum there was great. The palace there was one of the best, oh, the the best palace, palace tours fantastic. we've had. Yeah, really, really fantastic. So, yeah, don't miss out on Innsbruck just because of Swarovski. Yeah. But, all right, we're on to the final category, and this is obviously the big category, our favorite experience. We're not even going to do a worst here because, you know, we just we want to focus on our end thing being what is the best thing we did in 2015 that trumps everything else we've talked about in this episode. Yep. And it's, we once again, unanimous with this. It's the sunrise in the Sahara Desert. Yep. And we hate getting up in the morning. Yeah, hate it. It's the worst thing. Yeah, and we hated riding the camels because they are one uncomfortable bunch of assholes. Yeah, it's the worst form of transport you can ever imagine. But those stupid camels delivered us to one of the most breathtaking sunrises we've ever experienced in our lives. Yeah, and of course the stars. The stars were beautiful, like very little light pollution out there. So oh, yeah. Sitting out under the stars in the sand. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I can't even begin to describe that sunrise, which is why you're going to have to go look at the show notes. But you do watch the sand change color. You're just sitting there for like 20 minutes as the sun's coming up going, okay, so now the sand is like this milky yellow 
it, it almost looks like glass, like this weird bumpy glass. And then it slowly becomes more defined as the shadows change and move. And it becomes more orange mm -hmm. as the sun comes up. And then it goes from orange back to more of a gray, yellow sand and color. And you can also see the definition of what the wind has done in the sand yeah. during the night. So it's like waves in the it sand. It is like waves, like glass waves. Yeah. I, yeah, I haven't ever seen anything like it. And it definitely takes the top spot. Although I have to say, skydiving was also a very cool experience. Ah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah, skydiving, hot air ballooning was pretty crazy. What else? Have, we've done so much this year. It's been an the Thai experience year. in Koh Samui was a food experience entertainment evening that where we learned a lot about Thai culture whilst eating sort of these fusion versions of Thai street food like modernized Thai street food. The Polar Walk in Vienna. Yeah, Polar Walk in Vienna was great. And we went segwaying for the first time this year, and I freaking love segwaying. So we have had a lot of very cool experiences. And of course, you can go back and check out all of the articles. Almost all of the main experiences we've done, apart from, I think, the stuff in Switzerland, uh, has all been written up on our, on our blog, 5dollartraveler.com. And you can go and search out any of the food fun adventure articles that have come out. Just scroll on through and you can see all the different experiences we've been doing. Uh, almost everything that we did was good. There wasn't really any bad experiences. There wasn't really any bad companies we worked with. There was a couple and we, we leave them out. I mean, we must let people know this when we're working with companies and we are, of course, getting stuff for free. And so in a sense, we are promoting it and people feel we're biased because of that. If we really don't like something, we tell them we don't like it and we don't write about it. That's our policy. Well, we give them the option. We give them the option. Either they can have the semi-negative review or they can just opt to have us like call it a day and say, that's it, we're not going to talk about it. And there was only a few times where that happened. And yeah, we said, we're not going to write about it or you know, we're going to put negative things up to you. And they normally go, okay, don't write about it. Yeah. We don't really need negative press out there. So the stuff that we do that we like and we write about liking, we genuinely like it. Genuinely. Because we do not love, need love, to love. lie on our blog. We don't care about doing it that way. So yeah, probably want to round up the year by saying a big thank you to all of those companies that we've worked with. There's been a lot. There's been about 60 or so companies this year, 2015. Lot. It's been the busiest year on record, of course, because yep. we're growing the blog all the time. And um, hopefully next year, we're going to be heading to Australia. Yeah. We're hopefully going to the Philippines. <sighs> and we don't know for sure what else is going on. If we can get back to Portugal, we might go back to Portugal. Yeah. So but. send in your recommendations of where you think we should visit in 2016 to at My Travel Freedom. We would love to hear where you guys think we should go next year. Yeah, that's on Twitter. So do tweet us. Okay. Well... Happy 2015, everybody. Just a quick announcement. We're not going to do travel homework because it's not really in travel homework. Uh, if you want to do travel homework, go travel. Go travel. Go travel in 2016. Don't sit at home. And use our insurance because, you know, that helps support the podcast. Travelfreedompodcast.com slash worldnomads. Go through that link. And when you get your insurance, that's the company we use. That's the company we recommend. Uh, get your insurance through them and we get a little kickback from that, which is nice because that keeps us on the air. It means we can buy Christmas presents for each other. Yes, it does. So yeah, happy 2015. There is one more podcast episode on business coming up before the end of the year. And then in January, we are actually taking another month off. We're just crazy, crazy busy at the moment. And it's really hard to keep up with podcasts because it's a lot of work. Yep. So, so we're putting a lot of our effort into the Travel Blog Summit. So if you haven't, if you are interested in the business side and you haven't signed up for that, head to travelblogsummit.com and have a look at what we're working on. That's what January yeah. is going to be focusing on. And We'll uh, be talking about how we yeah. make money. And of course, we'll be interviewing bloggers who are doing much more money than we are, who are making a lot more. And we'll be talking about how they're making money. We're going to be learning. You're going to be learning. Do come and sign up for that, travelblogsummit.com. 
And yeah, that's about it. We so we're changing to a new format for a few months whilst we're busy with other projects. January will be an off month. February will be back with more podcasts. March will be an off month, and we'll be running the summit in March. And then April will probably be another podcast month. So we'll play it by ear. We'll see how it goes. Things may change, but uh, we'll see you next week for our final episode of the year. Don't bow down, bow bow down. Yeah, run the music. Thanks for listening to the Travel Freedom Podcast. Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at TravelFreedomPodcast.com. So join us again for Money Mondays to learn how to supercharge your online income. Or for Travel Thursdays, where we'll help you travel like a prince on a pauper's budget. We are waiting for your comments and feedback, so tweet us at MyTravelFreedom. Or email info at TravelFreedomPodcast.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzy. Catch us again on Mondays and Thursdays on the Travel Freedom Podcast. Bye for now. Bye.